Welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast with Jake and Sean, the only music podcast by music listeners for music listeners. That's right. We are up to episode 88, Jake. Yeah, and in music, 1988... Is uh, we're starting to look a little more, we're progressing towards that 90s sound a little yeah. bit. Case in point, Sean, Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth came out that year, mm-hmm. Surfer Rosa by Pixies came out that year, Nothing Shocking by Jane's Addiction came out in 1988. Also, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy, got a Morrissey album in there. Van Halen releasing some late career stuff. (laughs) Rattle and Hum by U2. Nice, nice. Uh, Let me see if I can find one more good one. Uh, GNR Lies by Guns N' Roses and Tender Prey by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Cool. Uh, History in 1988, we had uh, George Bush getting elected. Um, Right? Yeah, yeah. George Bush got elected that year. The Iran-Contra affair was in full swing. And uh, Sonny Bono <laughs> elected um, as some sort of public office uh, in Palm Springs. <laughs> Mayor of Palm Springs. <laughs> okay, so, so not, not an especially packed year historically. Kind of uh, political upheaval, Jake, okay? As, as mayor. Yeah. Yeah, so you know what? A packed year in music, a packed year clearly in politics... A packed episode of music to talk about today. We have a very packed episode. So we are talking the new War on Drugs album. We're talking new Taylor Swift. We're talking a lot of new music that came out. Let's start out, Jake, uh, with hot thoughts about uh, the War on Drugs. Should we start with War on Drugs or do we want to do some of the quicker hits? You want to do some quick hits? Let's do some quick hits. Let's get to the quick hits. Ah, Quick hits. Uh, all right, what do you want to start with? Why don't we start with Taylor? All right, let's start with, with Taylor Swift. We'll save War on Drugs for last. Okay, perfect. New Taylor Swift single, Look What You Made Me Do, came yep. out last week, last Thursday night. Um, and I think you could sum this up in a word as bad. The internet went crazy about this song, not in a good way. They were ripping it apart. A lot of jokes being made at Taylor's expense. What do you think of this song in general? What do you think of the backlash? My takeaway is, I think, the third stereotypical takeaway from this. And I I feel bad for not having a more nuanced take. There's basically three takes that I think most people have. One, they're kind of defending Taylor. Two, they're shitting on Taylor. I feel like that's the biggest camp right now. Mm. Three is the camp I feel like I'm in where I'm like, fucking quit it, guys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. I don't care. And my opinion is just like, the song's fine. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's like this kind of, to me, clearly kind of a stunt pop song that's catchy enough. I'm sure I'll eventually be singing along. I like bits. I don't like other bits. The fact that it's kind of this well-set, right-set Fred. Yeah. That it's like the I'm too sexy for my shirt kind of cover slash they got a writing credit. I think that's a little lame, a little lazy. I, I just feel like I don't care that much about this story. So the story behind this is it's kind of a thinly veiled Kanye West diss track. Right. There's a lot of references to him, like Tilted Stage is referring to his his floating stage that he had at his concerts and things like that. And obviously this is referring to the Taylor Swift uh, made that bitch famous line in in Famous. It's a rebuttal. And and I have to say, as a quick side note, having seen Kanye West on the Yeezus tour, the tilted stage and everything he was doing with the stage was really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, So step off, Taylor. 
Anyways, so I would say I, I'm in the camp of I didn't really like this song. I thought it just the song by itself wasn't great. And I think if you look at some of the subtext under under this, when you look at the new album, it's called Reputation. It's got Taylor's picture with all the news articles that say Taylor Swift on it. She's clearly not happy with the narrative that has formed around her since her last album cycle. And she's trying to grab hold of it and kind of flip it around and and be in control of what people are saying. Totally agreed. And also, has there been a worse album cover this year? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty bad. It's really bad. It's pretty bad. You know what it looks like? It looks like it would have been... It, it looks like an early, before he was totally established, Drake album cover. Oh, yeah. With, like, kind of that kind of ugly... Bad like, font. Bad font. Yeah. Poorly designed kind of graphic elements. So, is she also taking a shot at Life of Pablo with the lettering on there? Because it's all, like, disjointed, like, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, the way it says, like, Life of Pablo uh, on could, Pablo. Could be. Doesn't it, I think you'd have to go more closely to the just the Pablo font. I think everyone right. recognizes that. If yeah. you're really going to take a shot at Pablo. Yeah, true. But, you know, I, I think Taylor, this is her trying to, quote-unquote, reinvent herself yeah, right. again here. Um, so I think what she's kind of doing is, like, this is the real Taylor right now. Like, fuck all the narratives. Fuck, like, being the, the nice girl. I'm coming out, you know, guns blazing right now. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. And my issue with this is either, one, this is just another one of her contrived facades that she is putting on. Or, two, this is actually the real Taylor. And if that's the case, real Taylor is just kind of a petty, annoying person. I think that's what we might be learning from this. So, um, perfect segue to big friend of the pod, Kevin Kelly, is the most vocal defender of this song that I've seen. Loves this song. And I think if you get at him on Twitter, he would say exactly that. Has been listening to it kind of nonstop. His reason for liking it, I actually thought this was in some ways pretty defensible, and is that... Taylor, it's it's the part B of what you just said, that this is the actual Taylor, and that's what he kind of likes about it. Like, you know what? It, this is really who she is, and she's being her most honest self in some ways. And it might be annoying to some. But what if her most honest self, like, sort of sucks? No, that's a fair point. And, to be, and, and I agree with you, because I think this song is, like, at best okay. Right. And I think, and, and to be honest with you, I listened a couple times, and... I didn't ever feel like going back to it. And I like Taylor Swift songs. I do. I, I, I do, too. I, lo- I actually really like 1989 as an album. Um, and I've been looking forward to new music from her. But I, this, I think, was a misfire. And here, here's the thing. The, I want to talk about the narrative online and the narrative from not only fans, but music writers as well. Because what I'm starting to see, and this was starting to bubble towards the end of last year, when Taylor refused to say anything about the election... She has every right to say to say nothing or yep. to say something. She sure. can do whatever she wants. But a lot of the criticism that was levied against her was you have this big, big platform where you have millions of fans, a lot of them, you know, impressionable young fans. Yeah. Why wouldn't you try and take a stand and say something, anything that would maybe influence them one way or the other? And instead she was just right down the middle, didn't say anything. She Michael Jordan did. She seems to a fault be concerned about alienating her corporate sponsors, her her fans. You know, she has a real 
business savvy about her, and I think that contributed to her not saying anything. Now, this time around, this album cycle, she's putting on this whole facade of, I don't give a fuck. Well, clearly you did back at the end of last year, and I think a lot of that was already bubbling under the surface, but when she's coming out and so clearly saying, oh, I don't care, I'm going to be me, people are like, this rings so false to me now because you didn't really say anything and like what is your deal like the the backlash was was coming for a while and i think it has arrived Uh, two things one i think the whole idea of taylor is excuse me now going to be real i think that's kind of been the narrative for a few albums now it feels like since red it's been sort of like not as not as explicitly stated the narrative as it is in this case but I feel like ever since she like came out with We're Never Ever Getting Back Together, right. that was when people were like, oh, this is kind of an ugly side of Taylor. She's not being cutesy. She's not like playing nice. She's being kind of ugly. And and I feel like for a couple albums now she's been doing this, and this is just the most obvious and lazy version of that. Well, I think because part of that is her album cycle narratives are, are pushed out there by her and her team really, really strongly. And it dictates the conversation for a little bit. Yeah. And then things start to revert back to whatever the public consensus is about it. This time around, she's like, all right, I just got to come out here and be, like, very blunt about what I'm trying to do and get across. Right. And it, it couldn't even control the narrative for 24 hours. It was immediate revert back to what the consensus is saying, which is, are you really doing this right now? Like, right. with all this shit that's going on, with what just happened, you know, in Virginia, with what just happened with Houston... The election, everything, you're really going to be taking shots at Kanye with this year-plus-old year feud? Is this what really matters to you right now, Taylor? Yeah. Because if it does, like, fuck you, because that doesn't really matter. It definitely comes across as very self-serving, very sort of isolated and self-important. Elitist. Coastal elite. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to bring up is that it feels like, just from my anecdotal sort of experience with Kanye, not Kanye West, uh, Taylor Swift acolytes, mm-hmm. that with, every, especially since um, Red, every time she comes out with the first single she's going to release for an album, it always feels like the first reaction for Taylor fans is largely negative. Mm-hmm. I know that the reaction for this that you're speaking about is a broader thing. Yeah. I know that you're talking about the public in general, and it was a much bigger reaction. But it, it, for, as a song in general, like just specifically musically, I do feel like... Fans will start to come around to it, like they did to her never getting back together, right? Like they did to whatever came out and like, shake it off. Shake I think it was off, polarizing yeah. at first, oh, and people time, were like, "Oh, this time. song fucks." Yeah, catchy as hell. <laughs> song fucks. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think you actually already started to see that narrative flip when the video came out for this at the VMAs. I think it was a big misstep not just releasing the video for this first. Yeah. Even me, who didn't really like the song, I watched the video. I was like, ooh, you're doing some cool stuff on here. Like, she had old versions of Taylor from her old music videos in this video. And she was kind of, like, poking fun at it or, like, sort of killing them off or saying, like, these were all just facades that I had. She was being kind of self-referential and self-deprecating a little bit about this. Yeah, she was. There were parts of the video that I didn't really like that I don't think, you know, I think she's still doing a a put-on and a facade in a way. But I, I think the video gave better context to the song and made it a little bit more enjoyable and I can at least see where she's coming from with it. Still, I'm a little bearish on this whole album rollout, album cycle, and this single. Yeah, I agree. I just feel as though Taylor, when you get to that level of fame, 
you go past a certain threshold where you're able to reliably and realistically judge how you're viewed or how you should be viewed or even who you are. I think when you get as famous as she is for as long as she's been and since she's been famous since she was like a teenager, yeah. you, you, it, I mean, I, you can't even blame her for losing touch no. and for not knowing like what people are going to want and for trying to do this. I mean, look at Kanye West, the person she's lashing out. She's being sort of Kanye here. They're they're more alike than they realize. This is sort of like a I love the old Kanye <laughs> yeah. of of pop country, <laughs> right? Like it's it's, 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 like, it's just pop at this point. It's Let's just not. Pop. That's fair. Yeah. It's just pop, but it's like it's super self referential. I think to a fault, and I I mean it, it's not compelling to me. It's not anything I was hoping she a direction she'd go with her new album. Right. Um, again, I don't live and die by Taylor Swift. I've never been someone who is gonna you know. I'm not going to be out at midnight buying the new album. Right, you know, not exactly. that anyone does that anymore <laughs> with any album. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, Good point. Good point. So, listeners, let us know what you think of this Taylor Swift track. Maybe you don't give a shit. Maybe you don't care. That, I feel like, is where I'm roughly at. Do we want to go through the albums, then the couple singles, then back to War on Drugs? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's do that. So, this next album we have is uh, the new Turnover album, Good Nature. Um I gotta be honest, this wasn't really on my radar at all. I can't uh, say it was on mine either. It really only was because they're on Run For Cover Records. I'm familiar with the label. I like a lot of bands on the label. I expected something very different than what this is. And I gotta say, I have been really, really enjoying this album, Jake. I think this is a better real estate album than what real estate put out earlier this year. It's got that beachy... Pretty guitar tone. What, what do you call that guitar tone? By like the sort way, sort of reverby. Okay. Um, kind of. Yeah. I, I think like. Yeah. I, I think reverb is a good way to put it, or or like echoey kind of a sound. Okay. I, I was surprised too, and one of the biggest takeaways for me was, um, I, like you said, it came off um, Run for Cover Records, and I had seen Turnover associated with a lot of emo bands on whether they were touring, right. and I'd see their name on a bill. Or I just you know associated them with artists I'd always seen them adjacent to, um, and it was interesting to hear this sound because it's it's not at all analogous to what I expected it to be. Um, I agree with you. I don't think I've I don't get the sense I've listened quite as much as you have. I've been I, spinning this nonstop along with War on Drugs, but I have listened a few times and uh, I, I, it's really really good. And there's some really catchy stuff. I love what they're doing just in terms of like just musically. And uh, I, I agree. It's I think it's better than the Real Estate album. Um, and I think it, it has a similar vibe to that in the uh, the Beach Fossils record. Yeah, it does. Which I think I still like more. I like this one hands down the best out of any of those, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think a big part of that actually comes because of the time of year it was released. So That's this, fair. this late summer, summer's winding down, it's getting a little bit cooler, we got fall coming. This tone on this album, and a lot of the lyrics are perfect for this time of year. Like, the first lyric on the album is literally on the last weekend before the fall, down at the beach carnival. Like, that's that sums up the sound of this album, basically. I feel as though part of the reason it might be resonating so much with you, and I, I'm not at all criticizing your take. I agree. I've been really, really liking it. It has to come down in some ways to expectations, right? Because mm, yeah. with with beach fossils and especially with real estate, you have huge expectations. Because especially real estate has released albums that we've loved in the past, right. and and I think this album they put out this year was a little bit disappointing. But as a result of expectations, whereas the expectations for turnover was like, oh, this is going to be an emo record, mm-hmm. and then I was like, ooh, 
This is a very different like thing. Sort of dream poppy. This thing. is not what I expected. Yeah. And they're pulling it off really well. And I think they're writing really good songs on this album. They are. A lot of these are really, really catchy. The first track, Supernatural, is one of my favorites. I really love Curiosity. What's uh, the one near the end? Living Small. Yes, Living Small is every love time I've that listened, one. that yeah. one's jumped that's, out at that's me. That's maybe my favorite song. Yeah. So, you know, if you like that sound, if you like that real estate beach fossils sound, I highly recommend you check this out kind of came out of nowhere for me but like i said i've been listening to it a lot um, um so yeah queens of the stone age came out with a new album too we Jake, probably can talk about this another week or something yeah. because i didn't get to it i think i will listen because i did like their last album um i'm now forgetting what it was called their previous album Ooh, like clockwork like clockwork yes big big save there by yeah. sean um i really enjoyed that album i think i'll plan to listen to it you're not gonna i so i've never been really able to sink my teeth into queens of the stone age it's been tough for me i like some tracks here and there but I've just been loving some of these other albums that have come out. I'm not going to force the issue. If I decide to listen at some point, I will. But right now, it just doesn't feel like the right time, so I might skip it. My plan is I'm going to listen at least once and then see how I'm feeling. Yeah. Another album we wanted to talk about, listeners, is the new album by Iron and Wine, Beast Epic. So, um, I, speaking of albums that weren't on my radar... I've never really listened to Iron and Wine. I've heard, like, literally before this, I'd heard some songs, and I heard the cover he did of Such Great Heights <laughs> mm-hmm. by Postal Service. Never Trust Tree loved that cover, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people love it. Uh, I thought it was okay. Anyways, I was shocked by this because the first time I listened through, it just hit me in just the right mood. Yeah, I've listened to this album like five, six times now. I really, really like it. And it actually got me to go back to our Endless Numbered Days, which I also really like. So here's my experience with Iron and Wine. I've listened to our Endless Numbered Days. Good album. If you want the best Iron and Wine album, listen to The Creek Drank the Cradle. So good. That's the one? It is. Yeah. It's really, really good. Uh, I I listened to that. I got on like a nice little kick of that a few months ago. It's awesome. Um, I got to say, so I started listening to this. I listened once. I was like, yeah, that was actually pretty good. I, I was like, yeah, decent. I thought, I was like, ah, I'm really loving Turnover. I'm really loving War on Drugs. I'm going to maybe not go back to this too much. After you said that you were really liking it, I was like, I'm going to go back and listen. And on that second listen, I was like, shit, this is really good. It really it's is. It's a breezy 35 minutes. Every song has a nice little earworm to it. Thank you. And yes. I'm like, shit, there's nice instrumentation on there. Nice acoustic. This is Wheelhouse Sean album. I'm really liking this, too. And that was going to be one of my biggest points about the album, is I feel like there's no wasted track. There's not. There's something he packs in, a little memorable melody, a little memorable line into all these songs um, that that makes it worth my while. And I I was listening today, and every track, I was like, oh, this is that track? Like, I love this little melody. I love this little part to it. Don't sleep on this album. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been really enjoying it. And if you like this or you like Iron and Wine and you haven't listened to The Creek Drank the Tra- Cradle, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's like less clean than this and less yep. clean than our Endless Number Days. It's a little more lo-fi. Um, it's got a little bit of grit to it compared to this. And I really like that because I think the one criticism I have of Iron and Wine sometimes is it can be a little too sleepy. It can be a little too... Sure quiet and and have too much of a sheen on it. Well, evidently the story behind his early albums, and I doubt it's the case anymore, was that he was 
I think it was something like he was recording them in his bedroom while like his baby daughter or baby that son makes sense. slept. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of sleepy, like yeah. I think he literally couldn't wake people up. Right. Um, I guess Nebraska is an album like that too. Bruce Springsteen recorded that in his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. You just like put it on tape, basically. Yeah. Tape Big recorder. shout out to Big Friend of the yeah. Pod, Dan, who I work with, who gave me some of those tidbits this nice. week. Saw me nice. listening to Iron and nice. Wine and came over and we were talking about it. Um, yeah, so this has been a nice little surprise for me. I will definitely return to this and turn over. But right now, I, I've been feeling Iron and Wine a little bit more. This is another one. The weather's been a little cooler, starting to feel like fall. You know, one of these acoustic folk albums lends itself to that time of the year very well. Here's something I want to know from listeners. Do you have the borderline obsessive relationship with fall that we have? Because we bring it up during all four seasons. Yeah. We bring up how this will sound good in fall at the like right when winter starts. We're like, ooh, when fall comes back around, it's like November 30th. And we're like, ooh, when fall kicks back off, it's gonna be a great fall. Get the change of seasons. I feel like we, I, I wonder what listeners think. Get at us. Do you love fall? Do you even have fall where you live? Right. True. Speaking of fall, Jake, mm-hmm. this next one, this new single from The National, Ooh. Day I Die. This whole album, it comes out September 9th. I'm going to be spinning this the entire fall. I can't think of a band who I'd rather have releasing an album around autumn than The National. It just, all of it lends itself so well. The voice, the instrumentation, it's all sort of dark but warm at the same time. The, the generally morose oh, tone I, of the I, album. Just thinking about it gets me excited. It gets me <laughs> it gets it gets me excited too. Like I'm already like you know that fall feeling where you're like, yes, this fucking album is just doing it for me in the fall. I'm already in that headspace with this album and yeah. I haven't even heard it yet. Everything I've read about it has me really excited because there's supposed to be a song on here that's heavier than anything they've done mm, since Mr. November. Since, like, available. Um, yeah, when I heard... Uh, yeah, the reference point I saw was Mr. November, but the point remains. And um, Stephen Hyden, big, big, big friend oh, yeah. of the pod. Uh, kind, kind of a of, peer of ours. Sort of a peer, sort of a fo- yeah, follower? Contemporary. Yeah, uh, contemporary peon. of ours. <laughs> um, he, he wrote an article with a, an interview with The National and stuff. It was actually really good. It's on uprocks.com. It's worth checking out. Um, had me really excited for this record. Uh, and evidently, this album, they recorded it in this, like, it's the the studio that's on the cover of the album. It's this little triangular-looking house, um, and, like, in the woods, recording studio. Evidently, it's, like, way up mm. in, in northern H- New York. H- Hudson. And like, yeah. uh, there are, like, significant coyote, like, <laughs> yeah. and wildlife issues up there. And I guess Matt Berninger would go and sit out on the dock in the lake while, like, during nights where they would hear packs of coyotes take out deer and shit. Right. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he might be a little more wild than I thought. In Maybe. my mind, Matt Berninger is, like, this kind of normal dude who happens to, like, he lets his, like, this is his, uh, sort his of. release. His release yeah. of his moodiness. Yeah. He might be a little more crazy could, could genius be. than I really could thought. Be. I've been loving all of the, uh, the national not think pieces, but like the press, like the press rollout and all the different websites. And it's funny because the same thing kind of happened with Father John Misty, where if you read all of these, you get the same answers. And one of the big ones is even when they're writing love songs, they're like, they're political. He's like, if you're singing about a woman, how can it not be political? I thought that was a really interesting take from from Matt because I don't know that I fully agree. Yeah, Having listened to songs like... 
I don't know, My Girl or something, <laughs> like like really old 50s love songs. I get what he means. And he, it really interesting ideas. And I, every time I read about The National, I get a little nervous, though, because the, the, the way they describe the, the creative tension that goes on between the Destiners every time, and every Burning time, yeah, every album cycle, they talk about how tense it is <laughs> and how many things they just fight about straight yeah. up. Yeah. Like, I listened to a song exploder about Sea of Love. Right. And they were talking about how they had to sneak in harmonica. Yes. While Matt had a cold and couldn't hear out of one ear. Yeah. So they snuck it on that panel of, yeah. the, of the audio. Yeah. So that when he listened to the demos, he wouldn't, like, bitch at them for putting right. the harmonica in. <laughs> and he was it always like, seems to be the narrative. I don't think I've ever read... A, a press rollout piece about a national album without them bringing up like tension and how hard the last album was to make. Yeah, as, as sad as it makes me, because he's my favorite member of the band, I think I think Matt Berninger is hard to work with. I, I think he probably is. I think he's it's, really, really it's, difficult. It seems that way. I think it he's, like, he's sort of a prima way. donna. <laughs> it seems that way. And I mean, we, we watched the Mistaken for Strangers doc. Um, yes. That his brother made. That is wild. And that was way. way back. That was before Trouble Will Find Me even came out. And I think there was already the seeds of like Matt's this this rock star and thinks he's like above it a little bit. Yeah. And listeners, if you like the national, you should definitely watch this documentary. Um, yep. Mistaken for Strangers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, that, really good. That uh, Tom Berninger, yep. Matt's brother, made while they're on tour. It's really, really good and very interesting. The scenes with their parents are really sad. Yeah. Because his dad's like, well, you know, uh, Matt, you know, he has his depression and stuff, but he handles it and like doesn't <laughs> and goes out there and yeah. like and is in this band and he kind of shits all over Matt's brother. Yeah. It's interesting to watch. Very interesting. So uh, I want to, before we go to the next single, just quickly power rank the four singles that we've gotten released Ooh, so far. You go first. I, I have mine. Number one is the first one uh, for me, which I, for some reason I always blank on the name. The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness. Okay, th- yeah. I always get it confused with the the name of the album. I always want to call right. it Sleep, Sleep Well, well Beast, Beast, but it's not. Uh, yeah, so I have System Only Dreams in Total Darkness first. Second, I can see Day I Die becoming second, but since it's so fresh, I'm going Guilty Party. Guilty Party has grown on me a ton. I love that song. I'm going to put Day I Die at number three, and then I have Current at the Liquor Store at number four. I wish you hadn't done that because that's exactly the ranking I was (laughs) going to go with. Uh, And and to be honest with you, I've been intentionally listening one or two times and stopping with these. I have listened. Except for The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness, which I would estimate I've listened like 35 times. I have listened to it like 30 times. Um, I've listened to Guilty Party probably like 15. I need to stop before the album comes out. Yeah. Because as we'll get into with War on Drugs, it. It's not my favorite way to be nope. introduced to an album. And I've been intentionally dialing it back, which yeah. is a strategy that I know you've used in the past to yep. great success. Like with uh, Father John Misty. So here's another single that came out today, Sean, that I am really excited about. Because I, I think we talked about the announcement of this album months ago. Yep. And I kind of forgot about it. Courtney Barnett and, and Kurt Vile, who I just realized if you shorten their names, it's Kurt and Courtney, which is kind of cool. Interesting. Kind of like the Nirvana-Courtney Love yeah. deal. Um, they put out their sing, uh, single for their new album. The single's called Over Everything. The new album has an interesting name, to say the least. Lotta Sea Lice. So Lotta, spelled L-O-T-T-A, sea like an ocean, lice. Like the... Like lice. So I guess that is in reference to their backing band. Okay. I, I think it's like the Lotta Sea Lice Band or something. Or like the Sea Lice Band or something like that. So, yeah, um... Very cool that they're working on an album together. It is. Album comes out October 13th. Um, what'd you think? Single's good. It's basically exactly what I expected from a Kurt Vile and Courtney Barnett collab. They bring out 
like Kurt Vile brings out the Courtney Barnettist part of Courtney yeah, Barnett, and yeah. Courtney Barnett brings out the Kurt Vileist <laughs> yes. part of Kurt Vile because yes. they're just like they come in a lot and of singing like this. Yeah, and yeah. they're literally rambling about like <laughs> see, he comes, he's like, I want to bend a blues riff over everything, and like that's like that's like, and I love it. I love I it. Do too. But like, and then she comes in and she's like, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I like can't, and they're just like literally rambling. They're just singing about like their life in the most yeah. plain of terms yeah. and it really works so uh, what I loved about this song was the way that their verses would just collapse into the other one and they would yes. start up and that one would end and then the other person would start that was really cool um, I guess this was this project came about because Courtney Barnett was um, kind of having writer's block following up her, her, her last album or her first her real debut Pedestrian Verse that, that's not the name that's um, that's uh, that's a frightened rabbit album. You're thinking of sometimes I sit and think. Yeah, sometimes I just pedestrian sit. at best is the name of the song. Yes. That's where it's coming from. Anyways, she Not what that is. was having some writer's block. They decided to do this album, so I expect kind of just like a. Fun collaboration between them, I, not, like not not super serious, and I think that's I'm, we can see that with the single. I'm hopeful that this ends up being actually a really good album, and I I think this single, if it's an indication of like the way they're writing songs, because again, we were making light about the way they're singing it right. and like with the content of the lyrics. I think it's a really good song yeah. and really interesting musically. I would am really looking forward to see what they uh, what they do with it. This might be like the Rostam Hamilton of last Could year. Could be. Could um, be. I feel like it's less ambitious. Yeah. Just knowing these two who are behind this album, right? They seem a little less driven for like perfect, but that's their sound. True. True. So that's what know. makes it good. This is good. another one where again fall. Uh-huh. I feel like this will be nice. It'll do be Kurt like, Vile in the fall is another one where it's like it just fits. And like it I fits. feel like they're gonna bring they again bring out the best I, of one I, another. I, I agree. The one thing I wanted to talk about quickly is the album cover. At first I saw it, I was like, oh, it's just them sitting in front of a wall. It's pretty cool. Mm. It's actually way cooler than that because you got Kurt dressed all in white in front of like a dark backdrop, holding his guitar. He's a righty. Then you have Courtney on the other side holding her guitar, which is dark, and she's in all dark clothes in front of a white backdrop. And she's a lefty, and their guitar necks are meeting right at the same spot. It, it reminded me almost of how the verses in that song were. Yeah, where they're right. like they're meeting and they touch a little bit, like at the guitar heads, and then it spills over to the next one. Right. So it was, and, yeah, it was really really cool. And they did the movie poster move where they put their names on opposite sides yes. of each other, so like, like the Goodfellas, yes. where De Niro's is like above Ray Liotta or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah, above Joe Pesci or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And you had. Cur- uh, Kurt's name above Courtney. Courtney's name above Kurt. Very cool. Very cool album cover. A lot of cool things about that. I'm actually really yeah. excited. Uh, you want to dive into our talk about War on Drugs? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Major so topic if of you have been a listener of this podcast ever, you know that this basically turned into our most anticipated album of the year off the strength of the singles. And I want to talk about that a little bit because if you were to ask us at the beginning of the year in January. I don't think it would have been one of my most anticipated no. albums of the year. On the strength of the singles, and especially thinking of a place which we've had now for months, it feels yep. like. When did that come out? May? Record Store Day. Was that in May? I, no, I think it was back in like April. It was a long time came ago. Out. Yeah. Because you released the single of it where it's on two sides of a vinyl. Right. Um, this has sneakily become actually the album we've ended up actually anticipating most throughout the year, which right. is interesting. Right. Because I, I wouldn't have even guessed I would be that interested in a War on Drugs album at the beginning of the year. No, and I think the big question here, Jake, is did it end up living up to our expectations? Because I think there was not only were we very excited for it, I think 
the music collect music Twitter in general, music writers in general, there was a collective hype for it where we were told this is going to be one of the best albums of the year. Mark it on your calendar. So yeah. I think that just it was a, a groundswell of hype. Short answer for me is yes, but I have a longer answer that's okay. more detailed that gets into another question okay. we're getting into. My, mine's a yes. Mine's yeah. a yes. Yeah. Much, and, I, and I think yours comes with more um, more reasons behind it than me. I think mine's just like a solid yes. Yours has some terms, I think. Maybe, but only it's just because – so we'll get into it. Basically, we want to discuss did having five singles and some of them for months – Help or hurt this, like we talked about with the national. Like if you listen to Guilty Party and the System Only Dreams in Total Darkness a hundred times each, will that hurt mm-hmm. the ultimate experience of experiencing the album when it comes out? And so for me, I think as much as I tried to fight it, as much as I didn't want to admit it, I loved the singles, especially thinking of a place, pain, holding on, and strange uh strangest thing. Um actually pain I didn't listen to as much as the other three, though but especially those three were huge, huge, huge songs for me, and I had already listened to them. I was looking, I've listened to Thinking of a Place almost 50 times. I've listened to um, Strangest Thing in the 30s. Like, mm-hmm. I've listened to a shit ton. Knowing those and how strong they are, it took a little bit of the bite out of the best song on the album and discovering it where it is in the album. Because all we had left were, I think, invariably the next tier down of songs and again I think there are good the, the rest of it's good I think it's all the way through solid I really do like all the songs here I think the singles that were released are the best songs without exception so I, I'm with you in the fact that I think it hurt the first few listens of this because the remember how blown away we were by Strangest Thing yes. and Thinking of a Place imagine having that in the context of the album with the greatness that is all of the other songs, and that's on it. exactly what I it mean. would have. I would have been floored by this album. Now, I, I don't think that that means it's still not an amazing album because no, it, definitely it is. Doesn't it's just mean that. we experienced the album in a different way than what we're maybe used to. So yeah. I think in terms of listening front to back on release day, it hurt it that way. But as a collection of songs still, it's still one of the strongest and best of the entire year. Exactly. It goes back to what we were saying about um, even if he only releases a few other decent songs on this. And I think, again, I want to be very clear. I think that this album vastly surpasses just a group of decent songs plus the singles. Right. But even if he'd done that, it would have been one of my favorite albums of the year. It would have ended up like in my top 20 on the strength of those five songs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I definitely feel that. I just think that what ended up happening to me is I get to like thinking of a place. I get to like Strangest Thing. And a lot of it's front-loaded with those. And my brain does this thing where it's like we talked about... I think the example we've used before is Revolver by the Beatles. I know we talk about the Beatles all the time. But it's an album I've listened to so many times that my brain goes into, if not in one ear, out the other mode. It goes into comfortable listening mode. Where I just... I know the songs and I I don't listen as actively as I would. The problem that that breeds is that because this album tonally, the War on Drugs album, a lot of it sounds... The tones are similar. And he's again, I think he's perfecting these sounds. And it's like amazing what he's doing. But the atmosphere he's creating, some of it bleeds a little bit. And my, as long as the songs are, my brain kind of stays in that mode. And then I'm like, shit, like we're, I'm in two more songs in, mm. and I like, I'm getting to know those songs. But I feel like I'm almost subconsciously ignoring them a little bit, mm. which is it's, it's a weird feeling. That's interesting. I can I can totally see that happening. Luckily for me, I kind of knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I was like, you already know those songs so well. 
you really have to try and just act like they're a, a another part of the album yep. like you would regardless of that. And luckily for me, I had that day off because it came out on my birthday. I didn't have that first listen at work, which usually isn't always great for a first listen. It's, it's not. I made an active effort to just listen on its own, like only focusing on the album. And then again, I was lucky enough to be taking a long car ride that weekend where I got to listen to this album on repeat and focus solely on the song. So even the ones that I knew really well, Strangest Thing, Thinking of a Place, the other singles, I was still locked in and very, very focused. And I was listening for the moments that I loved to try and be like, this is what it would have been like if you hadn't known these songs before the album came out. So getting to be in a car, especially too, this is road trip music. If you're on a highway... This is the what you want to be listening to. So I think that helped. That complemented it. But I agree. I know what you mean. I think knowing those so well just changes your perception of the album a little bit. That being said, I want to pump the tires of the rest of this album a little bit. I love how full and lush and layered this entire album sounds. Like... I'm noticing little details on all of these songs, little guitar flourishes that are in the background of yep. songs, um, the the synth layers that are on here. It's fucking beautiful. It is. Like, take away the stuff that's just on the forefront that you can like really actively hear and listen to what's underneath. And there's like a whole other song going on. Like the the production on this is astounding. The instrumentation is astounding. This songwriting that is put forth on this album is crazy too. Like the amount of hooks that this guy could just effortlessly put across. And I'm thinking specifically of in chains is a great one. Like that has two separate, really, really catchy parts to it that are only there like one time on the album. And in chains has that cool thing that he does in that song. And he does it in a different way. I think in strangest thing where it blows up at a certain point and within in chains, he does it vocally and in strangest thing, he does it with guitar solos. Exactly. Um, I agree with you, definitely. And again, I, I am I think more than anything tempering my expectations a little bit and trying to rationalize what's felt like while still great listens to this album, uneven in some ways. Yeah. And I'm like I think I'm overthinking it in some ways. Yeah. But again, to be clear, not disliking it at all. And I think that the other songs are really good. So what I have started to do this week actually is I've been taking out yep. some of the singles, particularly Thinking of a Place. I, I I dialed back Thinking of a Place. My last couple listens, I've actually listened to the entire album minus Thinking of a Place. And it makes... Because it's so long, and yep. you know it so well at this point. It, it may, Thinking of a Place may as well be an EP for me at this point. <laughs> I know. Just another I album. I know. Yeah, seriously. Because it has all these different parts. It's like a little concept song. It's 11 minutes, and I've, I've known it as its own thing for so long. So taking it out of the track listing has shed more light on the songs around it, like yep. In Change, which which comes right after. And I'm like, holy fuck, this song's amazing. And then songs towards the back half, too, like Clean Living. Like, it's been able to shed more light on those. And I've also been trying to listen out of order a little bit and just listen to songs here and there. That has really, really helped my perception of the album as a whole, yep. and it's making me think it's even stronger than I first did. The out-of-order thing is something I need to do more of. What I did the other day was listen to the album without any of the singles that I already yeah. knew, except I kept up all night, which I I listened to a couple times yeah. before I got the album. I didn't even really count that in that list because yep. I didn't listen the hell out of it like I did with the others. But yeah, that did shed more light on those songs, and I felt it was helpful. I think, yeah, picking them out one by one here and there and doing like single listens might be good. Um, so 
Sean, of those songs, yep. okay, two questions. Yep. One, favorite song on the album. Two, favorite song that isn't one of the singles released. I th- okay, which is another way of saying favorite song that isn't Thinking of a Place. Because it's still Thinking of a Place. It has to be. It's my song of the year. I don't see that changing, really. Yep. Favorite song other than that? No, I meant other than the single, so not Strangest oh, Thing. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Because Strangest Thing for me is a real candidate for, for that, too. It, it, okay, it vibes that's my it. favorite song. Favorite song that's not a single is either In Chains or Clean Living, I yeah. think. Okay, so for me, it's still thinking of a place, but i got to say Strangest Thing has made a huge run. Toward I, favorite, I, I, I'm with you. It's it's up there too. I get legitimately excited every time I hear the beginning of that Dude, song. Pain hat, pain's up there too. Pain My is, top three are, are thinking of a place, uh, strangest thing in pain. Um, I think they are for me too. And uh, but with strangest thing, when I get to that third guitar solo, which it's like as much as I love thinking of a place, that might be the best single moment on the album. That it's so I explosive. Feel that solo in my bones. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's it, there are just notes that really, really count. Yeah. And again, it's like what we talked about with thinking of a place before, where I I do get the sense the strangest thing solo, especially that little, last little lick, the very last solo that explodes in. That seems a little more rehearsed than it is just uh, sure. improv. Thinking of a place one is like a perfect improv yeah. guitar solo. I think that. He just found exactly the right lick to yep. play over that moment, and he was like, "I'm, I'm keeping that, I'm and I'm, I'm going to take gonna... this lick I maybe discovered while jamming to yeah. it and turn it up all the yeah. way to ten and just destroy yep. this part of the song." Yep. Absolutely, it's amazing. Um, my favorite non-single um, is "Clean Living." I love the overall vibe of that song. I really like how. Part of the way he sings early in the song ends up getting mirrored at the end by the bass lick, the mm. doodle-doodle-doo, that like little bass lip, uh, riff yep. that runs under the music near the end of the song. I think that's my favorite. It's a really nice song. Of the non-singles. It's, it's nice. It's it, nice. It's nice. It's nice. Tracy McGrady was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you got for, or what do you got uh, for least favorite? A least favorite. That's, that's a good question. It, it's tough. You know, it's up all night, to be honest with you. Really? It's up all night. I... You know, of the of the other song, I think all of the songs that we hadn't heard are all stronger than that. For some reason, when I start the album with Up All Night, I'm like, this is a good song. It's just not up to the tier of some of the other ones. That sounded a little bit like the voice in the back of your head being like, this is a good song, man. Like telling you, like reaffirm, re- trying to reassure you. It is a good song. I like the song. It just happens. I'm not saying it's bad at all. It just happens to be my least favorite because... The tone of this song is very different than everything else on the album. And I think that's part of it. Yeah, it, doesn't, I, it almost doesn't fit for me. I know what you mean. I thought the same thing when but I first heard it. But it still works as an opener. Yeah, I've grown to really like Up All Night. I think I think my least favorite, if I had to pick, might be Knocked Down. Really? Ah, man. May, I, maybe Knocked Down. I want to love you, but I get knocked down, Jake. I know. I Again, like, listen, I like all the songs. Maybe you don't have to go the closer. Maybe. That one would be my second choice those the two i think the of, opener and the closer initially knockdown was up there i was like ooh, i can latch right onto this it, for something about it has not stood the test of time for me as well as the other non-singles that are on here i think you don't have to go would be down there as well the closer so yeah, yeah. those two yeah i also wanted to just mention uh nothing to find is basically a born in the usa bruce springsteen song yeah that's a good point he's doing like the woo woo like that yes. shit, the layered synths, it might as well be on Born in the USA. It's the shortest song on the album, right? It's a little bit... Four minutes. Punchier. No, wait, no. Knockdown's the 
the the shortest. Oh, it's knock four. Downs? Nothing to find is six ten. Oh, okay. I yeah. guess I looked at those backwards. A little yeah. dyslexia for you. Yep. Um, other thoughts on this, Jake? I I had one where, you know, so I think it's really easy to to levy criticism against this album. Actually, so. This is going to be up there for me in terms of album of the year. I don't know if it will be. I don't know if it's going to unseat pure comedy. But I think a lot like pure comedy, I can see the people who might not be loving it. I can see if you're like, yeah, it's not for me. This is a singular vision on what he's doing on this album. Yes. If you're not down with this style of music or this sound, this is not going to be for you. And I was going to say that I think if there is a criticism that could be levied of it, it is that it's so unflinching in that yeah. vision. It's it, He's not exploring really much else at all. He And again, I'm sure there's a ton of nuance that a gearhead could get into. Sure. Like, well, on this one, he uses, he's using this tone. Right. And on this one, he's using this guitar tone. And did you hear the synth on this song? I get it. Right. As a, just a listener who listens to kind of a lot of music, a lot of this feels like songs that have, a, like you said, a similar vibe, similar kind of thesis statement mm-hmm. and tone. Mm-hmm. So I think that, if yeah, if you're not digging it at least a little bit, it'd be tough. And for me, I love this sound and I love this type of music. I love this tone. This is like everything I want right now. So I don't really care about that criticism. Um but I can see it, and I can see why some people would be like, "Nah, I, I'm not, I'm not loving it." But I am, so yeah. I, this one, uh, I just echo the same thoughts. Really, it's yeah. like it's going to be um, an album of the year candidate, and uh, I'm curious what listeners think, because um, I know we have sort of, I think, a divided listener base on the yeah. War on Drugs. I think we have some who's like, "Ah, it's not really for me. It doesn't totally resonate. Not yeah. my style." I think we have some people who get really into it. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the album, and if you listened to it when you weren't really into it, like some people I know did with Father John Misty. Some right. people were like, I'll give it a shot, even right. though I haven't liked any of the singles. And this is another long album, too. It's a long ride to sit through if you're not loving it. Yeah, so. it was an hour six, yeah. and Father John was what? An hour? Like a buck fifteen or something yeah, so like that. Really it's long. long. I need to listen to that again. I did a few weeks ago, and it was awesome still. Yeah. So... I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting when we do our rankings at the end of the year. So want to wrap up, Jake, yeah. with uh, a think piece conversation. We did. So um, Kendrick Lamar came out in the press somewhere last week. I think I saw it reported on Pitchfork, but I don't know who he directly gave the information to. But basically he said, damn, was made to be listened to backwards. He was saying that if you listen to damn... With the track list reverse, he's like, it has actually a better flow, and it's just like, he, he said it's like made to be listened to that way. So we tried this experiment, made a playlist on Spotify called Period NMAD, Damn Backwards. In mad. Mad, with punctuation at the beginning. Um, so we gave it a shot, and I listened once to the reverse track list of, of Damn. What, did, what were your thoughts? I, I listened once as well. It worked surprisingly well, yep. really, really well backwards. And I'm not just saying that because Kendrick said so. It, it truly was a really interesting album listening experience from the beginning. Um, starting off with Duckworth in chronological order yes. was really cool, and I never thought of it that way. But it it frames the rest of the album in a really different way. It's really cool to think that now it starts with, like you said, the story in Duckworth about like the greatest rappers not here if a couple things go a different way. And then it kind of goes in reverse chronology, probably not to a track, 
But by the time you get to DNA and Element at the beginning, when he's in God, when he's doing all the Fox News stuff, it's like, okay, this is present day. We're here. We we followed this chronologically to where Kendrick's at now. And if you think back to like Fear, which is just the third track, that's him as a kid, you right. know, being being spoken to as a kid. Yeah. And um, love is before lust now. Yes. And there's that that. He says on love, love or lust, you know, yes. and it's like that's in chronological order now. Some of those little interlude things where people, where it's just like them saying a phrase, yeah. or and like again at the beginning when uh, Kid Capri is like, "We gonna take it in reverse," like yeah. that part. I yeah. was like, "Ooh, that's." It, and then very early on too, it might be on Fear, it might be on God, I forget which one. It, someone's like that new Kung Fu Kenny. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now at the beginning yeah. than it did when it was back at the end. Um, and that's it's interesting because that guy yelling new kung, new shit new kung fu Kenny it's like all over the album right so no matter which way you you're, listen you're to you're it you're still getting you're it. getting yeah. it at the beginning you're getting exactly it at the end. so I actually like this album more now than I did before just given this late I've had some great listens to this lately actually and it's a lock in top five albums of the year for me right now it's it's high yep really really good. Um, it's interesting though that the how how some of the track lists get reversed because like love is a highlight on this album for me and that's really really early now where before it was a strong end of the album song um, humble still right around the middle yep. roughly but DNA being all the way down at the end is is very interesting because I thought that was a great energetic way to start the album but you can, I, I kind of like it where and I don't have evidence to point it out but I feel like there's maybe Kendrick on previous albums has gone really really hard at the end true like when was Black or the Berry that was late track list for yeah, Pippa Butterfly yeah. right? I feel like that is actually maybe more in keeping with what he's traditionally done mm. I don't know maybe that's not true but I kind of liked it here's the thing I the my least favorite track for this has traditionally been well I think it's Lust really but always down there for me has been Loyalty yeah I had an amazing listen to Loyalty in the backwards track list I don't mm. know what happened it just clicked with me. Maybe I had heard it enough and it had been a long enough time yeah. since I listened. But I had like my best ever listen to Loyalty. That's interesting because it was almost the reverse. I, I won't say it was one of my favorites ever. Um, but I thought the album, if there's one criticism around pride, loyalty, feel, it started to drag a little bit maybe. Where I was like, huh. And then it picked back up towards the end where I thought the beginning was re really the end, was really, really strong. It, yeah. dr it was starting to drag a little bit at that point. That was the one criticism I had. Interesting. Um, I think it is interesting what he did just in general with this album. I mean, again, just to like echo the sentiments we've always had about this album, it's, it's a pretty amazing record. I think it's only going to appreciate with time. Oh, it already has. And the way... I remember at the time when I first heard Duckworth, and you hear the end with... The bullet and everything going like back like backwards, and then it gets back to that I was walking down the street the other day thing. To know that for months that that's how the album ends, and then to hear the whole story now be the end is really interesting. That entire story that he actually tells in blood. So I was going to ask you that. What do you make of that end story now? Yeah, I, he it's, dies. It's, it's yeah, that's what it seems like. So it ends with his death. Yeah. So it stays chronological. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Kendrick is on like another plane, dude. Because <laughs> the, the thing with Kendrick is, have you ever seen him interviewed? Like he did that Zane Lowe interview, right? Yeah. The, the, as verbose as he is, and as much as he has to say in rap, he if you see him interviewed and it's just him talking, he's so deliberate and yeah. soft spoken and says so few words, and like he'll just like kind of. 
like in this interview, they went track by track. He was like, all right, so lust, what's that about? And Kendrick was like, he'd just say like a word. Yeah. He'd be like, you know, <laughs> being young and, you know, it's just that first first take. See, like, he basically gives like just a little bit. And it's like, and I, I don't like, it's weird how much is actually going on in this dude's mind and how much he is actually laying out there. Yeah. And how much he seems to enjoy creating these concepts for yeah. people to unpack. Yeah, he does seem to play that up, and I think he purposefully withholds details from this yeah. to make it a little bit more mysterious, which it, I love that shit about music. He's a, he's a fascinating guy. He, he really, really I mean, is. like, he's like, Kendrick is like a, a true gem of a person yeah. that we have like on earth yeah. right now. Yeah, he is. We're lucky he to is. like have a guy like him. He is. He's a national treasure. So try this out listeners if you want. Listen to Damn Backwards. I think you can just search the name of the You know the you should do. You throw that in the listening podcast playlist folder. Okay, we'll do. Throw it in there. Um and yeah, you'll have access to that along with some other fun playlists. So Packed episode for you. A lot of new music to talk about. We'll probably be back next week with some segments. We'll be talking new LCD sound system as well. We will. And then soon after, we get New National yeah. on September 8th. We get a lot of big albums coming. Start. We're going to have some... The dog days of summer are over. They are for sure over. We're going to start getting some We're in big, Oscar season now. We are. We're getting some big albums. The red carpet's unfurled. Yeah. Well, not yet. That's award night. Right. That comes in December. That's nearly that's, that's the biggest night of the year. When we panic rank our albums. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everybody. So we were just talking about how it would be funny if we had a listening podcast Reddit because we don't have <laughs> even <laughs> close to enough listeners to sustain like meaningful conversation on Reddit. No, but it'd be funny because we were wondering what people would complain about because mostly what Reddit's for is to complain about like the the things that you like. And we came up with some ideas. One was that we probably talk about the Beatles too much. One. We probably use certain artists as a reference point too much. Like, I think we bring up Fleet Fleet Foxes, like, every two episodes. And we brought up the War on Drugs every episode for the last four months. Yeah. Father John Misty. The Father John Misty love. And so here's the other thing, listeners. We have big friend of the pod, Josh Gregoire, still here with us in the studio, a.k.a. Sean's apartment. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he recorded with us a special edition Game of Thrones episode. I think we did about 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Of, of did a good 45 to an hour. Yeah. Go Solid to 45 it. to an hour. At Listen and Pod at Josh Gregoire. Uh, that's right. At Josh. Is it just Josh Gregoire? We should have Unders- done underscore. Okay. Um, Josh is still here in studio, apartment, and had some thoughts. You guys it. were talking about how if you had a Reddit, like, what would people say? I had this idea like months and months ago and I never followed through with it is I wanted to just make a totally anonymous account on Twitter and start following you guys and make it just like just call it like at listen in pod listener <laughs> and just kind of like borderline harass you guys. <laughs> that would actually be really funny. <laughs> That's kind of like Shock Jock Jock is. Yeah. But like you know who Shock Jock Jock is. It's just <laughs> you pretending to be somebody. <laughs> 
I wanted it to just be this totally anonymous. I would make like kind of mean jokes yeah. and like come up with stupid things. It's like well, I had one. It was like the listen is like the listening nod with with it was like I had this like with. Uh, it's like some. I wanted to call you Yawn, like because you're so boring, and you were like, oh, I was really this like fake. I can't. I think it was like fake and Yawn it was like. I don't. I had this really like elaborate thing, and then I was like, this could be really mean, and I didn't want them at some point to go on the pod and be like, who is this person? Yeah, we probably would have. Who's to. attacking us? Yeah. So I just never went through with it. And I'm just um, now telling you guys about it. <laughs> we immediately tattle on you and report you. <laughs> For abuse on Twitter. That actually That's, would be really funny, though. I, I was like, this could be either be really fucking funny, yeah. and the reveal that it was me the whole time yeah. would be really, really funny, <laughs> or it could be like them just being, why would you say these <laughs> yeah. terrible things? You're our friend. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so I just never did it. But I did want to tell you guys that I had this idea too. And you guys talking about if we had a Reddit, what would our subreddit say that yeah. they don't like about us? Yeah. That just brought it all <laughs> That's back. great. Faking you on. I think the subreddit would also say we agree too much and we're, we are too... We just reaffirm each other's opinions. Yeah, probably. For, for a lot of it. I feel like that's a fair criticism, but yeah. hey, it's a free podcast. It's your show. Yeah, we'll cry if we want. That's right. Fuck you. You don't have to listen. <laughs> but please listen and But follow. keep listening. We, love all, we our, love all of our is listeners. He's our emotional bodyguard. He's our muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm more of like your emotional lawyer. Where uh. If somebody has a like has something to say about you or like is very critical, I'll just be, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> you chime in on Twitter before we ever know. <laughs> I see a tweet from someone at 3 a.m. that's like, hey, didn't like your... your it's Donald Trump because he's yeah. the only one tweeting at 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. Right. it's like, hey, didn't really like your take on the war on drugs. It's you at 3.01 a.m. being like, you don't have to respond to this. <laughs> Alice, Alice Wynn Pod, at Jake, at, at, Sean. To, at to shoot near, at Sean Howe. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> You know, I, I know your rights. And you guys got to know your rights. <laughs> know your rights. Know your rights. I hear you guys have a packed show. So I don't want to take up more of your packed show's well, time. Well, we, then I feel like I already have. Well, we appreciate you being on. Yep. Uh, the, then again, listeners, listen to the... If you're into Game of Thrones, we made the finale analysis. Just a separate episode because... We had a packed show, and we realized that the Thrones talk has made the last few episodes like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to push it to like two hours. Mm-hmm. And it's the last one. Special yeah. occasion. Yeah. Yeah, 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 So we gave it a couple. Uh, if you're interested in our thoughts, go listen to that. It'll appear in your feed. Or if you hate Thrones and us, just delete it. Delete it. That'll be you don't, easy. Have to, you don't have to answer that, Jake. You don't have to say that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to, to self-deprecate like that. Uh, are you ready to dive in? Yeah, I okay. think so. Okay. Great. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll count you down. Three, two, one.